If you'd like to read along with me, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 143. It's Psalm 143. Lord, would you help us as we read, guide our meditation on you, help us by your Spirit. Amen. This is now the second in a series of three meditations. Uh, this is different then than a regular sermon. This is not happening now as I speak on a regular Sunday morning in a worship service. Uh, I'm away from the pulpit during, during this time, uh, but instead, uh, here at least for us online, uh, this is a meditation. The first happened at the end of November, just a few weeks ago. And what we're focusing on in these three meditations really is when is it important for us for us to meditate. And the, the, the idea of meditation, I know for some, is, is spooky or strange. Um, but in this psalm, David says this in verse 5 of Psalm 143. He says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands I stretch out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. So you can hear in there his, his idea of what he means by meditations with the other synonyms around it. He says, I, re I remember, I, I meditate, I, I ponder, I'm stretching out my hands. Really, I'm, I'm drawing to mind and speaking out loud things that are true of you. When he says, I remember the days of old, there he's not just going... Boy, let's think about the good old days. But he's drawing instead here the works of God to mind. Because he knows that the former works of God very much have effect on our present situations. So now as we're asking when is it important for us to meditate in our, our former one, uh, we talked about that it's important for us to meditate in the face of a storm for this psalm. Let's look at the context in the first four verses. David says this. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. So I think here, David would say it's important for us to meditate than in the face of enemies. He says in three, the enemy has pursued my soul. Verse nine, deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. And then in the final verse, verse 12, he says, in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul for I am your servant. Those are heavy words. Cut off my enemies, destroy 
my adversaries. Here David is not trying to draw up battle lines. He knows here that the battle lines have already been drawn. And he's just trying to deal with that situation. We know these are the words of David because he he introduces the psalm that way as a psalm of David, but we don't know much else of the context other than that. We don't know what enemy in particular he's referring to. He leaves it open-ended. Perhaps that's on purpose so that the whole community could sing of this and it would be true of them as well. We know the psalm before in Psalm 142, uh, David talks about uh, that it's the psalm that he wrote when he was, or the context is when he was in the cave. And that's a time in 1 Samuel 22 when he was pursued by the then King Saul that, who was trying to take his life. And David had plenty of enemies over the course of his life, many from other nations. Uh, but I think the saddest one, the saddest enemy was his own his own son, Absalom. You can read about that in First or Second Samuel. It's a very sad story, uh, full of betrayal and heartache, that David's own child would be his enemy. And some, at this point, I suppose, can can identify with David's cry then that he's crying out in the face of enemies. And, and you feel that, you know that. You could even maybe uh, name in your head particular, particular people or names that are enemies to you. Uh, for others, however, we might read that and think, oh, enemies, I don't know that I have any enemies. I mean, I'm a, I'm a generally pretty nice person. I can't think of a particular person who I would consider uh, as an enemy to me. So if we think then that we have no enemies, uh, I would say that we're, we're wrong in that. That's not true. We have at least one enemy uh, in First Peter chapter 5, Peter writes this in verse, verse 8. He says, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Peter there rightly calls the devil our enemy, our adversary, and he's got a whole crew with him who are enemies then of Christians. And Peter says there that we're to resist him. One of the ways then that a Christian resists enemies is to meditate on the works of God, to ponder the works of God's hands, to remember the days of old and the way that God worked then. Part of the reason for this is because we need, we need encouragement, we need to be strengthened, we need to be reminded of things so that we'll be able to, to be sustained. But there's also another dimension to this that in the face of 
in the face of enemies, we also need to be humbled. Uh, some call this psalm, Psalm 143, a penitential psalm. That's a big word. Uh, it has to do with penitence or repentance, a psalm then of repentance. And you can hear that early in the psalm. I'll read again verses 1 and 2. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my plea for mercy and your faithfulness. Answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant. For no one living is righteous before you. David here also is saying uh, to God and to us, a true thing that he is not righteous, at least not perfectly so, before God. And it can be tempting in the face of an enemy, even a real enemy, even a very evil enemy, as we face that to become self-righteous ourselves. To look out and go, that's the bad one, so I must, I must be the good one. I must, I must then be great. And if we let ourselves go down that path, we'll eventually lose our focus on God and, and start to focus then on ourselves. And, and this call then is to turn that focus, to, to reorient that meditation, not on our own goodness, but on the works of God, to meditate again on God so that we won't put ourselves in the place of God. That's what leads David then to write these words, verses 9 and 10. He says, Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. David here still needs to be led, still needs to be guided, still needs to be taught, still needs a place of refuge, and the Lord will, will be gracious and do those things as we come to him in humbleness. But the danger in the face of an enemy is to become prideful ourselves. Meditation then upon God humbles us so that we can be comforted even when we face the strongest enemies. Lord, we stretch out our hands to you, our souls thirst for you and we meditate on the works of your hands, would you teach us to do your will? Would you lead us by your good spirit and keep us from self-righteousness? Guide us then in the face even of enemies according to your good pleasure. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.